You are listening to The Winning Mind Podcast. I am Letitia D'Souza. I am a mindset coach and business strategist who has helped more than 1,200 people change their lives, their relationships, their businesses, and just win in life. There's a myriad of reasons why we're not winning in life. Most people don't really play to win. They play not to lose. And what winning really means is becoming a better version of yourself each and every day. We can do this together. Hi, everybody. This is Letitia. Thank you so much for joining me. You know, I say every week, thank you so much for sharing space. I'm really grateful for each and every one of you. And as I told you before, that will never get old. I want to thank you for the feedback that I get from you on a regular basis. And do you know the feedback that I get most often is people tell me, thank you for being authentic or thank you for being transparent or thank you for sharing something about yourself. And if you heard, I don't even remember, maybe two episodes ago, Fix What You Are Ashamed Of, when you deal with your own things, a lot of times you just naturally feel shame And you naturally want to hide, especially if it's something that you discover about yourself that goes against the way that you perceive yourself to be for the most part, right? So I'm going to talk about that a little bit. So just bookmark that for a second. But I told y'all here first that my role and my goal is to be in service to as many people, thousands and even millions. So anytime I have an opportunity to move the needle and do that, I'm going to do just that. So guess who will be a contributor to Entrepreneur Magazine? You heard it here first. I will. What will I write about? I don't exactly know. My insights, my stories, my successes, my triumphs, my failures in the entrepreneurial journey. I will figure it out as I go along, just like I do on the podcast. I really am the build a bike as you ride a kind of a person, and I don't feel like I have to know all of the answers. But when opportunities present themselves to me, I just feel like my job is just to go into the direction of the things that are unfolding. So I wanted to share that update. And the other update is, guess who's starting therapy? Me. I have my first therapist appointment next week. And I, I really couldn't be more excited. You know why I'm excited? Because the one thing that I look to do and intend to do is be congruent and take my own advice and practice the things that I tell you all that I think that you should be doing. And I don't want to be living a life that is incongruent with the very principles that I live and teach. So I believe wholeheartedly that Our mental well-being is especially important. And even though I am, this is the work that I do in many instances, a lot of mindset work is, is a good portion of the work that I do. I am not exempt from needing help. I am not exempt from dealing with my own issues. So I am really excited about that. And the other thing about that is, I don't know who makes these months up, but it is, is it National or Mental Health Awareness Month? How is your mental health just limited to a month? A mental, your mental health awareness should be an everyday occurrence, right? So I was talking to the producer and he was saying it's just like Black History Month. It's a joke. So your own mental health, just just being aware of that for a month is a joke. But I just wanted to surface that because it actually is, there's so many things about mental health awareness. So 
I'm really excited about that as well. Um, that therapist, she's she's going to earn her money because I got some stuff I need to unload, okay? I got some healing that needs to happen, so I couldn't be more excited about that. So now, going back to what I was saying earlier about how sometimes when things surface, you might naturally feel ashamed because if you have a certain perception of yourself or if other people have a certain perception of you and things surface within you that are the opposite of that perception, you can feel shame. But the beauty about being transparent and living in a way that is transparent and truthful is that I will not allow people to put me on a pedestal and I won't put myself on a pedestal. So when things surface in my life, I'm saying, uh-uh, I got, I got to deal with this. So let me tell y'all what, what had happened, right? I had a whole meltdown like a whole meltdown. And this is not like the first time that I've had a, a whole meltdown, but I probably got more insight into this meltdown this time. And so I'm very, I'm so grateful for it. So um, la- this meltdown took me about, m- maybe about a good week to kind of get through it because I record on Saturdays, the podcast last week, I was still in meltdown mode and I told the producer, I am not feeling the best. Physically, I felt okay, but mentally, I was just not in the headspace. And while I am very big on keeping my commitments, I also have to keep my commitment to myself first to ensure that my well-being is what it needs to be. And I just was not in a good place. So anyway, back to the meltdown. Let me give you a little backstory so I can put this in context. I am an only child. I am my mother and father's only child. So they had me at 16 and 17, respectively. Um, I was very, very spoiled by my mother. So anything that I wanted, I always got. So in my mind, in my childlike mind, whatever I want, I can have it when I want it and how I want it. And now I'm still very spoiled, but I have the means to spoil myself, if that makes sense. I have the means that if I want something right now, I can go and get it. So that usually doesn't affect other people. As it relates to my father, I can remember having a relationship with my father maybe till I was about five or six. I don't really remember a lot of the specifics, but my father moved out of Chicago and he moved to Wisconsin. I remember going back and forth from Chicago to Milwaukee to see my father. Again, I don't remember a lot of the details, but I do remember that when my little sister was born, I was seven, and I didn't like that little girl. That's that's what she was to me, like this little girl. Because I think in my childlike mind, something about that must have threatened my sense of feeling special, my sense of security, right? So you remember that in the Tyler Perry movie, All My Life I Had to Fight, I really just got this insight after this meltdown. All my life, as it related to men or in male relationships, if my spot or my feeling of significance or the thing that makes me feel secure is threatened, I am going to fight. That is my go-to. I'm not going to fight with my fists, but I will fight with my words because in that instance, I'm looking to protect something that feels threatened. So when I tell y'all I had a meltdown, I absolutely did. And what happened was, I won't necessarily tell his side of the story, but I felt slighted by something that the guy that I'm dating did. Do I believe that he did it intentionally? No. We had a conversation about it, and I felt slighted. I felt like I wasn't really considered. And then the next day, I I sat with it for a little bit. I thought I was good. I I even told him I was good. I really honestly thought I was good. But the next day, something happened 
and I got so deeply triggered and I went all the way off. And I come from a good long line of cussers and I use my words in a way that were very emasculating, very demeaning and very disrespectful. And I knew that those words were hurtful and I knew that they were disrespectful. So I wasn't, people say you just acted out of character. I wasn't out of character because if I did it, it's a part of my character. Even though it's a small part of my character, it's a part of my character. And I did that. And almost like instantly after I did it, I felt like a deep pit in my stomach because I, I felt hurt, right? Um, and it, it took me probably like a whole week to really get insight that this is tied to this father wound. This is tied to this feeling of if I feel slighted or if I feel not considered or if I feel um, maybe threatened. Now, this is the, remember, this is the inner child, not the grown woman, because the full grown woman can look at this situation and say, this was really not that big of a deal. But this was the little girl who was the who was running the show. This was the little girl who was who was speaking through that ego that is trying to protect this wound and trying to feel secure and 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 warring against what made me feel insecure. Without going into all of the other details, because the details don't really matter, I'm just telling you that I felt horrible. Right? I have forgiven myself because the first step when you when you mess up. Not only do you need to do your best to make amends with the person or people that were affected, but you also have to forgive yourself. So I had to walk through this process of forgiving myself and acknowledging this, you know, my spiritual mentor, because otherwise shame would have got a grip on my heart and I feel ashamed because of what I've done and what happens with shame you want to hide. So I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is actually celebrate the fact and be grateful for the fact that I now have a level of awareness that I can at least see the patterns and I can at least understand what the triggers are and I can understand why I was triggered. And now I can take that information and go get some professional help. So even though I am a professional, even though I help people through a lot of these things, guess what? Every coach needs a coach. Every therapist needs a therapist. Every leader needs somebody else to help them through their stuff. So I am not exempt. And for the last week, I was just not okay. So this this incident was simply a mirror for me. It was just a, a teaching moment for me to show me, hey, here's something else that you need to work on or an area that you need to grow through, right? And so the other struggle was that in that was make not making it mean something about me per- personally not making it mean that I'm a bad person or this or that, just like he's not a bad person, right? And so the way that he deals with this this whole thing is completely different from me. But because so many of us don't deal with our things honestly, even when they feel ugly, even when they feel hurtful, even when they feel embarrassing, those, those are the things that allow these kinds of deep hurts and wounds to perpetuate in our relationships or to ruin relationships altogether. So I am a huge believer that when you see something, you can shift it. I'm not all about just making apologies without changing the behavior behind the apologies because the way that I acted and the way that I spoke actually goes against the very things that I believe. Do you know, I personally believe that um, 
men, especially black men. I love black men. And I believe that they go through so many things, things that they never share, things that they internalize because most of them are not open and vocal about their issues or their struggles. So to speak in such a way that was disrespectful, to speak in such a way that just completely disregarded that, it just goes against the very core of who I am. So I am going to reconcile the little wounded girl, Latish and Letitia, and I'm going to you know, nurture that child and reassure her that you are safe, that you are okay, that you can move through things in a way that is healthier. But I just wanted to share that with y'all because so often I deal with people who have meltdowns all the time, but they have no other outlet to get like a lot of these things dealt with. What about the person or the people who never deals with their issues? What about the person or the people who doesn't have anybody to talk to, who doesn't have professionals that they're reaching out to? What about the person or the people who have succumbed to the conditioning, especially men that, you know, like therapy is for women. You know, talking about your problems is for women. You just work, you just work through it. You just suck it up and you just figure it out. It's a very, very dangerous way of being. It is a very, very dangerous way of being. And I think um, it's not only mentally unhealthy, I think it's physically unhealthy. If you think about, you know, people say stress kills or, and, and stress is the silent killer. I was actually looking up some statistics about stress and, you know, how stress shows up in the body. But you have, you know, stress that's like episodic stress as to how you say it, like with episodes, you know, something may happen and you may feel stressed a little bit, right? But then you may have certain kinds of stress that you may be going through something for a short period of time. And that kind of stress is tied to your resilience and your ability to go through something, endure, and then bounce back. But the other kind of stress and the most dangerous kind of stress is when you just live in a, in a way of stress. Like, it, it's not necessarily your work. It could be. But what about the stressful emotions that you are repressing or suppressing and you are never dealing with those? They take root. They become bitterness. They become anger. They become rage. And a lot of times people implode and nobody ever know what happens because we're not dealing with this. So I honestly, this is just my own belief. I believe natural and spiritual things are very, very much intertwined. So I don't believe all physical heart attacks are from high cholesterol. I believe sometimes we can carry so much stress, so much deep hurt, so much abandonment, so much rejection, so much wounded in our bodies that our bodies are like, I cannot take it. So I want to invite you, not just because I'm doing it. I was saying this ahead of time and I told y'all before I was going to therapy, not because something was wrong, but because I wanted to do it in a preventive way. Well, maybe my spirit knew something that my head didn't recognize to say, oh, you got some things that you really need to deal with, right? So I have some, some things that I need to deal with and I know that they are largely tied to a core wound. And when I say the father wound, that wound is one of abandonment. Abandonment simply means uh, a caregiver or a, a, a caregiver or a caretaker or a parent was not there. It doesn't mean that they could have been there physically, but they were checked out emotionally. They could have not been there physically for a myriad of reasons, but to the child who is imprinted from 
when you're in the womb until the age of seven, by your conditioning and by your environment, children form childlike conclusions that then live in the mind of the adult. So clearly, I still have some childlike conclusions that are um, informing my actions when I'm triggered, right? And so if me sharing these things can help you to look inside of yourself and want to deal with your issues in a greater way, then I'm all for sharing like whatever it is. Like it's not really a secret. My spiritual mentor was like, the one thing that I love about you is that you always give it to me straight, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I said, well, God sees and knows everything. So why do I necessarily need to hide this from you or from a person? And now conversely, I'm pretty private. I don't just go around just sharing all of my business, but you know, if you if you have a conversation with me, what what you see is what it is that you're going to get. And I'm and I just refuse to live on a pedestal or um allow what I do for work or allow my position to put me in a position where I'm not dealing with my issues. It's it's just not it's just not worth it for me. So I just want to encourage you. So therapists, look out, here I come. Back to what I was saying about abandonment, though. Abandonment can be triggered in your relationships. So if you had a parent who was physically there or physically not there, emotionally there or emotionally not there, whatever it is about abandonment, if it shows itself up in your adult relationships, your relationships don't feel secure. So if abandonment is triggered, then you naturally might have a sense of anxiety that a person is going to leave or they're going to walk out. Like it it will trigger a fear in you, but that fear has come from something that was not your fault, something that you were just subject to in your childlike environment. And so the other part of that is, I've said this before, I've said this before, on one of the other podcasts. It might have been, um, you got to stop the bleeding. This is why, just in my opinion, forgiveness is also so important. Forgiveness of yourself for the ways in which you are perpetuating patterns and things that you don't even know that you are doing, right? A lot, of, a lot of times people's actions, most times people's actions have very little to do with you and everything to do with themselves, everything to do with self-preservation, everything to do with avoiding pain. So you've got to forgive yourself, right? Because you forgive yourself for doing what you needed to do to cope when you didn't have a set of tools to help you cope in a better way. Forgive yourself for the people that you hurt unknowingly, maybe even knowingly, because you were hurting. But the other part of that is forgiving our parents and our caregivers and the people who hurt us because maybe they were also perpetuating patterns and they were carrying out patterns and patterns of being that was done to them and they passed it right uh, along to us. So there is such a thing as ancestral trauma. There is such a thing as, you know, certain attitudes and mindsets that are prevalent in families. And, well, you know how they say like sexual predators or people that are uh, maybe rapists or people who, what do you call it, incest or anything like that? Almost every time when you have conversations with those people, they were violated in some way. So they were violated, they were harmed, they were sexually abused. And so that seed has been planted in them, right? And nurtured over time. And so 
What, whenever a seed is planted, what is it going to do? It goes into the ground and die. And at some point, it's going to produce whatever it was. So the abuser was probably abused. And so the my whole point is that when you become consciously aware of something, you can make a conscious choice and decision to say, this stops here. This is This is not going to go any further than me. So... When I look at a lot of the patterns, you know, through my, my relationship with my mother, my relationship with my father, just the things that are in my family, the things that are normalized, they don't seem normal to me because I choose to create a new normal. And I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how many times I go through the processes. If I can stop the pattern, it is worth it. I have changed patterns of parenting from learning how to parent my daughter in a different way. So everybody loves our relationship now, but boy, did I go through the ringer to unlearn so much and relearn a way of parenting her. I have changed financial patterns, right? And boy, did I go through the ringer financially um, to just learn. And I, and, I, and, and I just think that maybe that, that was just my lot in life to unlearn and relearn and then share that wisdom with other people and help shortcut their learning curve. And so now as it relates to relationships, I feel like it's unlearning and relearning and learning a different way to be, a healthier way to be, and not carrying out a lot of those unhealthy patterns just because they were normalized in my family. Now, oddly enough, I have had people also reaching out to me and say, you know what? You should teach about relationships. You're so good at it. You should teach about relationships. And it's one of my favorite topics. But the one thing that I know is anytime that I'm called to do something, if something is a part of my path, I know that there's a price that you pay for that. And so when I had that meltdown last week, I was like, listen, I hope that this ain't a part of it because y'all can keep it. I was like, I'm I, this, listen, I don't want to do this. But then I came to myself and I said, you know what? If my pain can be my platform in a greater way as it has been, you know, my pain can inform my purpose in a greater way and I can help people in their relationships and so be it. Because guess what? I'm going to deal with the hurt anyway. I'm going to get the healing anyway. I'm going to process the pain anyway. So why not be in service to other people? Now, I wasn't feeling this way last week. Last week, I was like, I don't give a damn about other people and their pain. I'm only concerned about me and mine. And so it took me, you know, a lot of tears and a lot of just, you know, come to Jesus moments to really deal with that and think through that. So now let me let me shift gears a little bit because there's something that I want to share with you all. And I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but I've actually been studying this for a while. <laughs> so there is something in relationships and it's called the Imago theory, if you will, I-M-A-G-O. And that, that I-M-A-G-O is the Latin word for image, right? Um, and so the Imago relationship theory, it kind of refers to the way that they look at relationships is that we unconsciously choose familiar love and we choose it based on our core childhood wounding. And so they said, if you think about it, out of all of the billions of people in the world, the person that you ended up loving or chose to love triggers your wounds in the worst way. Not at first, not at first, not during the honeymoon phase, right? They seem to have everything that you need to heal, to grow, and to evolve in a good way. 
But they say during the course of the relationship, which they call the power struggle, you will come to realize that the thing you need most from your partner seems to be the thing that they are least able or least willing to give and vice versa. And they said that is where most couples break up or that is where most couples divorce only to take them big old bags of ugly to another partner. And then you see the same patterns play out because you are the common denominator in your relationships. So with Imago Therapy, it just just is fascinating to me, right? I've been studying this for years. I just It just came up when I was thinking about this wound, though. It consists of five core principles. And the first principle is reimagining your mate as a wounded child. Reimagining your mate as a wounded child. So, yep, I know you got a strong man, a hardworking man, a successful man. But within that man, there is a, a young boy. If he has never dealt with his issues, then guess what? There is probably a wounded child that's in there somewhere. Now... The words that I use when I had my my whole meltdown, would I have spoken to a child like that? Moreover, would I have spoken to a wounded child like that? I absolutely would not have done that, right? So it's reimagining your mate as a wounded child, number one. Number two is re-romanticizing your relationship via pleasurable surprises like gift-giving and displays of appreciation. That premise is your relationship is where you go to grow, and where you go to give. So instead of looking at your relationship as something that is making you happy, you look at your relationship and understand that it is something that is provoking you to wholeness. Like, if you know that like when an oil spill happens, like the way nature is, that it will like, it will, it will ultimately just like heal itself. It's saying that, um, the theory is saying in essence that we are always looking to heal and to evolve. And so we will subconsciously choose partners to help us do this. So the person in your life that you're looking at, this person doesn't make me happy. Does that person have the possibility to help you grow into wholeness because they trigger you and they trigger you to deal with those core childhood wounds that you have not dealt with, okay? So relationships are where you go to grow relationships are where you go to give as opposed to the mindset that we have in most of our relationships right now. What about me? What's in it for me? Kind of a thing. Number three, restructuring your disappointments and frustrations by changing your complaints into requests. Now, on a good day, I'm really good about that. I'm making requests instead of demands, requests instead of complaints. Can you? Could you? Um, So number four, resolving feelings of extreme anger. Now, this is where Lil Tish needs needs some help, right? Because when I feel extreme anger, it's just like I'm feeling it in my body and I'm feeling it. And it's a a rarity that I actually feel extreme anger. Like most of y'all that know me, y'all know the coach, but y'all don't know the woman. So, but, but as a woman, it's rare that I really, really feel extreme anger. But when I do, I have to to choose better tools to express that anger. So resolving feelings of extreme anger. And then number five, it's revisioning the relationship as a source of happiness, satisfaction, and safety. Now, that does not mean that your relationship cannot be a source of your happiness, but looking for, most of us a lot of times get into relationships consciously thinking as if another person can make us happy. And other people, they they will provoke us to wholeness a lot of times before we get on the happy side. Of course, people can enhance our happiness, 
But if we don't deal with the things within ourselves that we need to deal with, guess what? It's going to be like, I just wasn't feeling it. We grew apart. We have irreconcilable differences. Um, They're not who I thought they were. All kinds of things that happen. And so a lot of times our conflict arises because we have this emotional discontent that we think we think it's within the context of the relationship because we're feeling it in that relationship, but actually it's these underlying things that we have not dealt with. So when y'all have a chance, look up, his name is Hendrix. Is it Harville Hendrix? Yeah, his last name is Hendrix, H-E-N-D-R-I-X. And so, yeah, it's Harville Hendrix. And so he and his wife have a book like Getting the Love You Want and they were like going to divorce and they were in, in in marital breakdown and they're therapists and they brought their relationship back together and, you know, developed this theory. I find it to be a refreshing theory because right now in the, in the, where we, in our society right now, we live in cancel culture And I was living out cancel culture long before it was a thing because one of my coping and defense mechanisms is my effort factor was very high. I was just walking away from it like it's whatever. I'm I'm just done with it. But being done with something doesn't mean that something is done with you, meaning that the issues, the, the lingering issues that you're not dealing with, they are going to surface and they are going to resurface. So all I can say is thank God for growth. I'm telling y'all, Thank God for growth. Thank God for maturity. Thank God for willingness. But here's the other thing I want to say about willingness. When you feel like you are right, when you feel like you have been wronged, when you feel any of those things, the the biggest thing that I find anyway that will arise is pride and stubbornness. Pride and stubbornness that said, I was right. This person did X, Y, or Z. And so I think the question has to be, is your is your pride or is your need to be right really in service to the relationship? Or is your need to be right so important that you're willing to just forsake the relationship, forsake the other person altogether? And as I've gotten older and relationships have more value to me, it's worth it to let go of my pride in service to the relationship, in service to the greater needs of the relationship, understanding that it's not just me. You see that growth from being the only child? So even though I have some growing to do, I recognize that it's not just me. I recognize in my relationships now, not not just necessarily romantic relationships, but it's not just me. There's another person who has a level of understanding or a lens through which they view the world that is completely different from mine. And it took me a very long time, if I'm being honest, to actually care about that in many instances. Like, it was just like, this is how I see it. This is the way that it is. And in that stubbornness, I'm sure that I heard a lot of people until I, I, you know, had to, God had to deal with my heart in a lot of those things. And a lot of it, I just had to grow through and mature through. So, this journey of maturation and growth, it is a lifelong journey. And if you're not up for the journey, then how can you possibly show up as the best versions of yourself, which they're always going to be getting better because you don't know what you don't know. I feel like I'm an eagle, right? So eagles soar. But you know, eagles also have that time where 
they're molting, where they're plucking off them old feathers because you know they 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 gotta they gotta do some fine tuning so they can they can go do what they do. So I feel like I'm in this molting season where it's like, all right, let's 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 pluck these feathers, let's get pruned so I can be even more fruitful. And guess what? Plucking, pruning, extracting, any way you want to call it, it is painful. But I am willing to endure the discomfort, the pain, because I promise y'all last week I felt like a crazy person. But I am willing to endure all of that to get to a higher heights and, and, and deeper depths in love and in connection and being in service to people in a greater way. I am willing to do that instead of just holding on to pain holding on to wounds, anger, rejection, abandonment, never dealing with it, and just living with pain in my heart that just does not have to be there. So for me, I'm willing to feel, go check that podcast out of you. You can't heal what you won't feel. I am willing to feel all of my feelings so that I can heal those things that need to be healed. And sometimes we only want to feel the joys but when your heart, when you when you begin to heal your heart, when you allow your heart to become tender, when you allow your heart to become pliable, when you allow your heart to become open, you're not just going to feel the good feelings. You're going to feel the full scope of your emotions. You're going to feel, the, you know, the darts. You're going to feel other people's things that have nothing to do with you. But I would rather be a feeling person and an authentically feeling person who is moving towards progression and wholeness than to be a person who appears to have it all together, but inside there's just a raging storm. I I would prefer to be the person who you might see me cry, you might hear me cuss, you might see some things that look a little unseemly on this journey of progression and in this journey into wholeness, but but, but you can trust and believe that I'm going to get there because that is my commitment to myself. I'm not only going to heal, but I'm going to help other people's, uh, not people's, other people heal by giving voice to things that we just don't talk about, especially in our community, in the Black community. I know not everybody here is Black, but especially in the Black community, we don't speak enough about mental health. And a lot of times we're not having conversations about mental health until there is a problem, right? Sometimes we don't have to wait until there is a problem. If you tune in and and tap into yourself, you can start sensing that there is a problem before you have a full meltdown. So while I'm wrapping this up, I just want to tell y'all how I'm pretty in tune and tapped into myself, but let me tell y'all how I knew this. And it it can seem like the most simple things. I was making um, this, this, this yard house has this Brussels sprouts and potatoes recipe and it's this mayonnaise, this, and so I'm using my vegan mayonnaise with smoked paprika, and I lost the mayonnaise. I, I couldn't find the mayonnaise. After I used it, I lost the mayonnaise for two hours. I'm searching high and low in the kitchen, don't want it to get hot and spoil. I could not find the mayonnaise. So I was like, okay. I looked in there. I put a tea lid, a, a, a mason jar lid on the mayonnaise. So that was that. I have refrigerated probiotics. I go to get my probiotics. They're not in their spot. And I said, Lord, please do not let me have put the refrigerated probiotics into the cabinet. I opened the cabinet. There were the probiotics right there. 
And then somebody asked me, are you stressed? And I said, no. If, I, if I'm stressed, I don't, like, I don't feel it. Because I, I was not feeling stressed. I was feeling okay, right? But the, these, these are little things, but these are telltale signs for me because I'm starting to get off kilter a little bit. But here was probably like the biggest sign. I got a herpes, not herpes. You know, they say that if you, I got a cold sore on my, on my lip. And so I'm walking around with a whole bum bump. It's like red as a hibiscus flower on my lip. And I was saying, okay, clearly something is happening that is affecting me emotionally that is showing up in my body and it's showing up because I'm checking out a little bit and I'm not as sharp as I normally am. So maybe I just need to take some time, you know, and, and just press the reset button a little bit. And I probably didn't do that soon enough, right? When I felt myself starting to shift a little bit, I probably didn't overload on the self-care because y'all know I'm big on that because it didn't seem like a big thing. But in retrospect, it was a big thing. It was a big enough thing because that was the precursor to me having a whole week that was just a whole mess. So the thing that I want to invite you to do more than anything is you cannot control other people. You, you cannot control what other people feel, how other people process their issues, but you can become in control of yourself, in tune with yourself, an advocate for your own mental health and well-being. And at any given moment, ask yourself, what is it that I need? And do your best to give it to yourself because some things we can do that are preventive in nature. So I know from now on, like if I can't find the mayonnaise, or if I get a bum bump on my lip again, I know, okay, I need to I need to shut it down. And so I'm being silly in retrospect, but I'm telling y'all, tap into yourself, tune into yourself. You are the most important person in your life and you need you. Not only do you need you, you need you well. You need you to be the best version of yourself that you can possibly be. And that simply means that you'll have to commit to going through those molting seasons and allowing those versions of yourself to emerge, although it happens painfully. So I hope that you were able to gain some insight, some nuggets out of my whole meltdown. I'm looking forward to therapy. I will keep y'all posted. I'm looking forward to Entrepreneur Magazine. I will keep y'all posted on all of these other great things that are happening. So I'm healing and things are happening at the same damn time. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for sharing space. I really so deeply appreciate each and every one of you. Have a beautiful, beautiful day.